0: Thanks for joining us for this week's Positive Talk Podcast. Your hosts, Julie Homrich and Chuck Allen, are in season number five and starting this season with three practical conversations about something we all struggle with, relationships. So settle in and enjoy the Positive Talk Podcast as Julie and Chuck Merge faith and psychology. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to find an encouraging and positive word here at the Positive Talk Podcast. And thank you so much for that introduction. We are back for season seven, I think. Is this right? Season seven? Uh, If not, it is now. I think
1: it's season five.
0: Five? Am I wrong? I've missed you a lot over the summer, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. So we're back for season something or another. And um, we're focusing on a topic that... Our listeners, by and large, and historically, have given us some pretty great feedback on because this is something we all have to cope with, Julie. Right, right, mm-hmm. and that is our relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that if if you're new to the positive talk pod, pod if you're new to the positive talk podcast. Then um, let me do a quick introduction. This is my friend, Julie Homrich, who is a uh, licensed psychotherapist and uh, just a bright and brilliant human. I am a pastor. My name is Chuck Allen, and together we really are striving to try and merge faith and psychology in such a way that we all can just find a little more peace in this journey and really discover a little bit more about how we can live out our purpose.
2: Yeah, you know, Chuck, I think a lot of times people think that faith— and psychology or scripture and science are mutually exclusive. But they're not. We're trying to really help bring those two together and find Mm -hmm. where the overlap is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about that in relation to relationships, um, I guess you start off with this concept, we have introverts and extroverts. (laughs) Now, what's interesting is most people would look at you or me actually Mm. and assume by nature of what we do or just, you know, I mean, you're a friendly human um, that Okay, that person must be an extrovert. Mm-hmm. But having known you for several years, now you you are you have strong introverted tendencies. It's
2: very, very strong. So actually, whether we're an introvert or an extrovert doesn't depend on our social social ability. Right. It's more about how we um, recharge. So we can be in a group of people. If we get recharged from that, we're more of an extrovert. If we get recharged from being alone, we're more of an introvert.
0: Yeah, because my stress behavior, is when I'm um, when I'm out of gas and I've hit the wall.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I need. I truly need solitude to refuel. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there's ambiverts, right? Yeah, people absolutely. People who are a mixture of both. Yeah. And in the context of relationships, so I am an introvert, pretty strong introvert. Um, And because of that, there have been many moments in my life where I've kind of questioned why I need other people at all, right? Yeah. The people say yeah. this all the time, like, you need other people. We all need other people, right? I mean, that's um, a
0: preacher line right there. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. a
2: therapist line yeah. too, right? Um, Now, there's other times in my life where I i I kind of get resentful because it feels like I need people more than I'd like to need them, so it's that sense wow. of like, why do I you know feel like I need other people? I, I just I want to be more independent right you know I,
0: it, I really want to stop because when I, when I read this, when you wrote that line, it hit me that the thought that I truly have become resentful at times, that I feel like I need people more than I like. To believe that mm-hmm. I need people. I mean well, truly
2: relationships are messy, right? Yeah, and we yeah. can control ourselves. We can control what we think, what we say, and what we do, but we cannot control other people. And so the fact that we would actually need a relationship, it requires a release of control, yeah, right? Yeah. A, a bit of a vulnerability. Right. And I hear experts say all the time, I say this all the time, we need connection, right? Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, and I've been thinking about what is the basis for this claim that right, we need right. relationships, right? Like we hear it all the time, um, but have we ever stopped to discuss why we need relationships to begin with?
0: Fair question, because there, uh, I read earlier today that um, America is in this crisis of relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're further away from meaningful relationships than we've ever been before, and yet we're more connected right. than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. A form of connection. Right? Yeah, right. And I think with all this stress on, yep. you know, healthy relationships, um, I think it's important to discuss why we need them to begin with, you know, any leader that you can imagine will tell you that the quality of your life depends in no small part on the quality of your relationships. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but where's the evidence that backs this up? You know me. I'm like a researcher. I'm an evidence person. How do we know that this is true? And that's what we are going to talk about
0: today. Which I think is fascinating because there is, there's data mm-hmm. that supports how much better our lives are yes. when we have meaningful, purposeful relationship, right? Mm-hmm. There, there is data, but there there is evidence in the psychological world. Yep. There is evidence not just in the psychological world, but in the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And I would argue vehemently now that I'm in my sixties, that there is a tangible evidence of how necessary relationships are mm-hmm. and, and the, and the tangibility connected to every segment, every stage of our life.
2: Yes. yes. Right. I mean, kids need
0: connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young parents need connection.
2: If there is one theme that's that spans across the lifespan yeah. in terms of psychological health, it is healthy relationship both with yeah. yourself and with other people. Which means
0: at some point you, you embrace that messiness for the greater good of both you and the world.
2: Exactly. And that takes courage to yeah, do. Yeah. And I know you mentioned there's some spiritual reasons for relationships. And again, we have multiple types of relationships. We right. have a relationship with ourselves, um, with God, with others. But I want to start today with the science. Yeah. So why do we need relationships biologically? Great question. So simply put, our bodies were created to release certain chemicals, mm-hmm within relationship with mm. another person mm. okay so we all know this you know you feel a certain way when you're in love right or when you're in friendship or community our body biologically feels Good. Yeah. There are chemicals that are released when we are in relationships. So touch releases oxytocin, which is Mm -hmm. a feel-good chemical. Um, And interestingly about oxytocin, Chuck, is that um, this chemical is actually really good for our heart. We've talked about this before. Yeah. yeah. Um, But our heart has oxytocin receptors on it, which means it's Mm -hmm. waiting for us to receive that oxytocin. Right.
0: You know that is a fascinating thought. Mm -hmm. It just crossed my mind while you were describing that. So Jenny and I, we uh, we went to a friend's house in our neighborhood last night we're playing cards just having fun and so we left and um Jen does what she does often she just reached over and held my hand while we were walking Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. and it's not a far walk but you know Mm -hmm. and but it was in that moment Mm -hmm. I had this sense of oh I I love this girl
1: yeah
0: you know and there there is something I it's fascinating to hear how What's happening in my body Mm -hmm. is that it was waiting for touch to send that. Oxytocin, mm-hmm. and it said to my body, I'm comfortable, I'm safe, I'm loved. Ooh, this is good. Bonding, right? Yeah, it kind of made the whole day just yeah. in that simple gesture.
2: And, and oxytocin is a bonding chemical. And the fact that we have anytime we have a receptor for something in our body, it means that we need to receive it. Yeah, right? yeah, that's I love the way that, that we're yeah. created. Um, additionally, oxytocin actually has some physiological benefits for us, it mm. helps our physical health. So those receptors on the heart, those oxytocin receptors, when you do receive oxytocin, it actually causes our blood vessels to dilate in such a way that causes less hardening of the heart. Wow. So there's so many metaphors in this. Yeah, right? no We kidding. talk about a hard heart all the time. I mean, you know, as a
0: speaker, I, I'm just thinking about the multiple ways you could kind of convey that.
2: Right. And we talk lot. we don't want our hearts to get hardened and things like that. Well, connection, oxytocin, all mm-hmm. of those things are a big piece
0: of this. Yeah, that's I, I love that concept. I, I, it hits me that... Oftentimes, it seems like the easiest thing to do is to find a drug of choice
1: mm-hmm.
0: to to replace that. When we were created in such a way yeah. that it was much of this was to be met just in interrelationships.
2: Yes, organically within relationships. Yeah. You know, this is uh, this is true with endorphins. You know, hmm. laughing um, yeah. socially yeah. releases endorphins, and endorphins are actually uh, check their. Peptides that interact with the opioid receptors in the brain. Okay, Okay. whoa,
0: wait, wait a minute. Okay, I was was with you on the endorphin and the laughing because I get it, right? (laughs) But all of a sudden you drop peptides that interact with opioid receptors. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute.
2: So, the, I mean, people have heard the word opioid, right? I mean, we talk about this in our culture right now. Um, We actually have receptors in our brain that just like in our heart needs to receive endorphins, our brain needs to receive um, opioids. Mm -hmm. Um, And And because of that, essentially, these uh, receptors, when we receive the opioids, it it triggers feelings of pleasure, Mm -hmm. um, euphoria, and it also partially kind of subdues feelings of pain. Mm. Okay, so that's what opioids do. This is why we have a culture that's um, addicted to synthetic versions Mm. of this. Right. We kind of have that opioid epidemic in our culture right, right now. Obviously, it's very complex as to why that's come about. But I do believe that understanding these naturally occurring pathways in our brain and how we can kind of naturally support them, like you said, can kind of help us build lives that reduce our yeah. risk yeah. of activating those receptors with synthetic drugs, that can maybe seriously harm or even kill us. I mean, we're seeing this happen. Hmm. Um, And this has to do a lot with community check. There's a common saying in the addiction community. Um, A lot of experts have said this, and they say that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. Wow. And I think that's a really important piece here because – People, when they feel isolated and they and they want to isolate from their reality and themselves, Mm. that's when they turn to addiction. Right?
0: Yeah, and so hearing all that, it makes me think it would be beneficial then if we could um, discover or even search for environments. Mm-hmm. that allow these organic relationships to happen. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. This is a few years ago. And, you know, as Jenny and I are transitioning into this, you know, older segment, mm-hmm. you know, we're at that age where people say, oh, the old people, you know. <laughs> and so, but it's, it hit me. Own
2: it, Shaq. Just own yeah, it. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> but it but it hit me. She said, we need to make sure that we find really good friends in each of the sectors in our life, mm-hmm. meaning at church or uh, in our community or yeah. around our daughters and grandchildren, and especially in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember, Julie, we literally a few years ago started praying mm-hmm. that that we could discover friends that we could just do fun stuff with. Right. I mean, it Which wasn't like, be... okay, I want, I want to turn them into a church member. It, it, it wasn't... The only purpose was... Could we find meaningful, purposeful friends? And the you know, agenda, over the course yeah. of years, it's interesting the people God has put in our path. Mm-hmm. People of no faith, people of different faith, people of different color. It's just been fascinating to see how he's done that, which gives me hope. Yeah. That if there's desire, you you can find that connection.
2: And I think part of it is widening your scope, right? 100%. Recognizing that Um, there will be people in your community that help meet needs that are going to be different than the ones in your your faith circle, right? And so being able to look and say, yes, this particular friend doesn't match with me on all levels, but they match with me in this area for this purpose at this time.
0: Yeah. One of my dearest friends, Julie, and a guy that it's interesting, I can talk about anything with, Mm -hmm. I mean, literally anything with, and I really don't know where he's at in his faith walk at all. Yeah. Um, and yet, I find it easy to talk about faith with him. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating.
2: It's not so much about the other person as it is about how you interact within with the other person, oh, right? I love like that. how you yeah. feel if you can be yourself, yeah. um, if you can be authentic, Absolutely. Um, obviously, you know, if you're in relationships where you feel like you have to hide parts of yourselves repeatedly, um, including your faith, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's something to consider, but it doesn't mean that you have to, I think this is something you and I talk about a lot. You don't have to agree on everything to be
0: in relationship. As a matter of fact, I've discovered that some of my most meaningful relationships, we have natural disagreements. Yeah. And what's healthy. interesting, it's just healthy. Yeah. We don't avoid it. Right. I mean if anything we address it mm-hmm. but it, we laugh so much about it.
2: Yeah. Well and that's what I think is so helpful about having the diversity in relationships yeah. is that you really are able to when you take things lightly yeah. there's a lot of freedom in that right? I mean we like to laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Talk podcast. So I do want to return to that top. That's a great that's a great topic. Um, I actually found this interesting study from a university in Finland which by no surprise, Finland has been repeatedly ranked as one of the yep. happiest countries yep. in the world. And so when I see that, I think, what are they doing that is making, you know, creating an environment for such peace and happiness? Mm. Now, in this uh, study, they took scans of individuals' brains twice, um, first after spending 30 minutes in a room alone, mm. and next after spending 30 minutes watching laughter-inducing video clips of their it- close friends. Friends. Okay. So I can only imagine the prep for this, like what their friends were having to do. In it these just videos. crossed my mind.
0: What would happen if Parker, who videos all this, if he put together a clip of all the stuff we laugh about yeah. off camera or yeah. off air? Yeah. Holy cow. Oh my gosh.
2: Well, and that that's what's cool is that they were watching this and it was their friends and what they found, the researchers found uh, that there was an endorphin released, um, mm. And it was induced by social laughter, right? And you can laugh at yourself, but there's something about laughing with another person that is very endorphin-releasing. It's very connecting. Um, And so their findings basically establish that laughter is an important pathway that supports the formation, Mm -hmm. reinforcement, and maintenance of social bonds between humans. So good. Um, So again, laughter creates bonding. Bonding chemicals help us stay healthy and content. Um, This is all really important.
0: It feels like it. I mean, one thing I do know is that when I hear the term Finland, mm-hmm. it's because I always see those that little bank of countries. Mm. When when you know the happiness scale comes yes, out every year, the they're scale. always at the top,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And it's no no shock that this came out. But i I've seen I've seen the opposite happen. Yeah. You know, um, when when my dad died, uh, my mother. She, she never really had a reason to die, but she wanted to die. Mm. And I look back on it now, and I'm trying, you know, when I try to be both observant about that and also try to look at how it relates to my life, mm. it, it hits me that my mom and dad never really had friends. Mm. Um, I now, think that
2: was pretty common in that Yeah, I generation. think so.
0: They, they had a million acquaintances, right. you know, but they never really had friends. They didn't do things People with friends. They didn't really, you, yeah, I mean, what yeah. they did was them. Mm-hmm. So then when my dad died, I mean he he literally sat down, ate a bowl of ice cream and died. Mm. Right. I mean, if you gotta go, that's the way to go. Right. <laughs> so so I take it. But, but mom, because there were no friends in her life, mm. she had there was no track record of discovering friends, she literally died, I'm convinced, of loneliness. Mm, you yeah, know? And yeah. when I think about that, I think a child couldn't fix that. Mm-hmm. Because it's a different relationship, but right. there was there wasn't an, anybody that she would get up and think, "Okay, we're going to do something."
2: Yeah, I yeah. mean, there was,
0: and and I, I really, I really trust that I've learned from that mm-hmm. and have meaningful, purposeful friendships that I look forward to chatting mm-hmm. with.
2: Well, it's like Jenny said, you know, it takes an intentionality, and once yeah. you create the pattern of of really pursuing relationships and friendships, that's something that you carry with you throughout your life. And it's a resiliency booster. So,
0: so let's try to break that down a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So what exactly is happening inside of our bodies Mm -hmm. when we engage in relationship with another person or, or, maybe a group of folks.
2: Yeah. I'm so fascinated by this because I always love knowing what's happening in my brain and what's happening in my body in relation to relationships. There's yep, a whole field yep. of it. It's called interpersonal neurobiology.
0: Holy and cow.
2: And I love it. I had to throw in that it, fancy word. You know what? Check.
0: I mean, first show in the new season and you're <laughs> it dropping- wouldn't be,
2: It wouldn't be it a really positive top podcast know, without I know. It. If
0: you're new to the positive talk podcast, know this, that Julie's a geek. She's just a radical <laughs> hard-hearted geek. Well, not hard-hearted, but like yeah. I don't know where that came I from. I've
2: a lot of oxytocin in my life. I got two kids who never stopped touching me. That's okay? absolutely
0: true, yeah.
2: Um, so in the context of relationships, biological oh, things going on. it just hit going me. On, I meant
0: hardcore. Okay. <laughs> not hard- I don't know where that came from.
2: <laughs> We're talking about hard hearts, Jack. So I'll I'll give you that. Wow. Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in the context of relationships, you were asking, okay, what is happening in our bodies when we're in relationship with another person? Like what's happening right now when Chuck is, you know, making fun of me (laughs) and we're laughing about it. Right. Well, all relationships go through seasons. We know this, right? Yep. yep. From their inception to eventually their dissolution. This can be through a relational break. Mm Mm-hmm. Or death. That's really how all relationships end, right? Um, One or the other. And the release of certain neurotransmitters, it gives us a sneak peek into what's happening in the brain during the course of Mm. the relationship. Okay. So during that curiosity and um, that kind of new phase, the getting to know you phase, um, in that phase of the relationship, our bodies release Adrenaline, Okay. Adrenaline moves us toward action. So there's an adaptive purpose to this, right? We would never pursue relationships if there wasn't some sort of um, like chemical uh, reinforcement. Absolutely. Right. Um, So we've got that adrenaline that's coming, you know, things are new. Um, Dopamine, which is a chemical that brings about feelings of euphoria and facilitates heightened attention and motivation. Mm -hmm. That's also released in the early stages of falling in love or getting to know somebody. Okay. So this is why when people start to fall in love or they get, have a new relationship, it doesn't even have to be romantic. Sometimes they feel like they can't get that person out of their head.
0: Yeah, just so so that our listeners are clear, don't miss the last sentence that Julie just dropped because it's easy for us to hear mm-hmm. the, these phrases and attach them only to romantic love. Yeah, and that's but not the, the case. same thing happens if two guys find out they have these common. Elements they find it easy to talk, mm-hmm. and then go and do whatever they do together, mm-hmm. and just the but the same thing is happening, right? Yeah,
2: and I think it's important to normalize that. Yeah, you know, that people yeah. can feel like it's okay to you know in the initial stage of a friendship, yeah. you're excited, like you're getting yeah. to know them, like it's it's great. You know, um,
0: just just kind of parenthetically here, that it, it's weird because it's um, in our society
2: mm-hmm.
0: we assign assumptions. In these kind of relationships yeah right
2: well right when you just said like when two guys meet each other and like yeah you know, this and stuff, then you know, all of a sudden a, it's a bromance yeah you know,
0: you know and but, I mean what if what if they just enjoy hunting yeah or or what if what if they enjoy the same kind of reading that's cool you know, whatever right yeah. but I would also say it's our society frowns upon it like I would consider you one of my dearest friends in the world, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about a little bit of everything, not just this show or not just our work, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting how incredibly guarded Mm -hmm. that you have to remain Mm -hmm. to ensure that assumptions Mm -hmm. don't have reason to become reality. Yeah. Having said that though, Mm -hmm. isn't it interesting how um, we're back in the studio and I have this bit of of dopamine that's like, this feels good.
2: Yeah. When I think it's okay to normalize that, you know, especially within the church, we have these ideas, even about like male, female friendships yeah. and you have yeah. to be, um, obviously, if you have healthy boundaries, right. that is right. that is the distinguishing factor yeah. There, right? If you don't, then those chemicals can lead well, in can places that you don't want to go. Yeah. So I think it's always a good balance of yeah. appreciating um, the fact that there is a synergy there in a, in a friendship, 100%. in a relationship, and also understanding the purpose of it and therefore having the boundaries around yeah.
0: it. Yeah, and I hope that helps a lot of people because I think a lot of us have those kind of relationships that we just don't know what to do with them.
2: Right. Yeah. I don't know that I knew what to do with our partnership at the beginning yeah. yeah. because I remember telling Dan, like, you know, Chuck is, is, is becoming a friend of mine. And, and it's weird because I don't know that I've had a friendship with a male before that is so healthy and boundaried. and Yeah.
0: yeah. Same.
2: Just respectful in that yeah, way. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Right? And so I think for me, it was like, okay, this is possible. Right. It is possible. Yeah. You each have to be in a very unique place. To and you got to be cool. pretty
0: emotionally and mentally healthy for that. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, um, I agree. Okay, so let's let's jump on because there is a chemical that I, I, I'd love to hear you talk about because I, I know just enough to be dangerous about serotonin.
2: Serotonin, yeah. So serotonin is a feel-good chemical. It's a mm-hmm. neurotransmitter. Um, we oftentimes think that serotonin is only released in our brain, but ironically, uh, 95% of our serotonin is produced in our gut. Um, wow. So this is like when you have a gut feeling about somebody. Yeah. That's, that, that's serotonin. Um, now, serotonin, when we have a healthy amount of it, it actually helps us, it prevents us from getting stuck in our mm. in our thinking patterns. Um, um, It helps lessen obsessive thoughts. Okay, so people who struggle with um, obsessive compulsive disorder, they have a a difficulty in the flow of their serotonin. Wow. It's not necessarily that their serotonin, they don't have enough or it's more, it's just not flowing freely, Mm. right? Um, Now, ironically, serotonin levels have actually been shown to decrease in the beginning stages of love, which leads to that feeling of being obsessed with someone. Oh, wow. You ever heard people say that they're like, gosh, I just, I feel obsessed. With, like, I can't, I'm stuck with
1: yeah, this yeah, person, yeah.
2: right? A lot of times that's because their serotonin levels are dropping. Wow. Now, it's thought that the mixture of all these chemicals, because we're talking about a lot of different chemicals right now, right? Yep, yep. Um, The mixture of all these chemicals being released is precipitated by the body mm-hmm. recognizing that a new relationship has the potential to be either a positive thing or a negative thing. right? And some of these chemicals, um, it actually elicits some of the same fight or flight chemicals that we see in other threats. right? So we'll get back to this idea in the second part of the series, but I can suffice it to say today that this is one reason why we actually don't enter into relationships. If you're somebody who's a little more avoidant, it's because it feels scary and unknown. It can feel threatening.
0: Yeah, I I do think that in... It's been true in my life at times where um, it's like, I'm not sure I want to put myself out there Mm -hmm. to enter into this relationship because I have some warning sign in me that either A, I don't want to get burnt, Mm -hmm. or B, I don't want to go through the effort because it may not end where I desire it to end. And so as a result, it does feel like sometimes I wish I could control all of these chemicals, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't, I really, I don't, I don't know how, how possible that is, mm-hmm. which means it kind of goes, but my dad used to say ministry would be a piece of cake if it weren't for people, <laughs> yeah. except for the fact that ministry is all about people, people. right? Yeah. But, but I think that's true. I'm mm-hmm. I mean, like, life would be a piece of cake if it weren't for people, mm-hmm. but we don't think that way about people that agree with us all the time.
2: Right. Well, and I say, this is my favorite phrase is it's not easy, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that yeah. is
2: where we land with relationships. Um, but we have to come to a point where we, we believe that it is worth it. Um, and you know, those motivating chemicals can help, mm-hmm. but ultimately we have to make the choice to invest ourselves, to be vulnerable yeah. and to pursue those and relationships.
0: Do, and I guess that may be helpful to know that the body also has a way when we are healthy mm-hmm. to regulate those, right?
2: Right, yeah, well, and over time, it naturally does that, right? right? We yeah. move past the infatuation, Right. Um, we begin to push through over time, and the chemicals kind of level out a bit, and there's a stability that mm-hmm. comes. From yeah. feeling and being known. This could be in long-term relationships or healthy family relationships, um, long-term friendships. I have friends. I was just with a friend from um, in Tennessee a few weeks ago that we've been friends since we were seven or eight wow. years old. Wow. And just to have that stability of someone knowing you yeah. throughout the seasons of your life, it's yeah. so powerful. That's great. Um, but we are constantly still releasing some chemicals in our Mm -hmm. relational interactions. Okay. Primarily oxytocin, like you said, that, that, you know, moment with Jen, right. 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 Um, there's also a chemical called vasopressin that has multiple purposes, but, Mm. um, it's released in relationships. Now going back to oxytocin, which we call it in the psychology world, the bonding hormone. Okay. It's released when mothers nurse their babies, it's released through touch. It's released through all of these things. It plays an important role in forging bonds representative of the depth of love and attachment to a partner. Hmm. And it also heightens feelings of calmness, security, and contentment, like you were describing, yeah. Jen. Like, gosh, yeah. this, I just love this person. Right. Like, I belong here. Right? Yeah. I yeah. belong with her. Right, um, And those are often linked to bonding with a mate. Now, this happens in friendships as well.
0: I, I have never heard of, of this chemical. I'm not sure how
2: Vasopressin. But, yeah. Yeah. So it is actually, it's related to some other things going on with your body in terms of your, um, your blood, but it's also associated with a physical and emotional mobilization. So mm. this is, when this is released, um, it mobilizes you to, yeah. to, to protect, um, it kind of creates uh, vigilance and behaviors needed for guarding a partner or a territory. Okay.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. So when you sort think of about this it,
2: protective chemical, right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, other forms of kind of self-defense. This is when that vasopressin is released. Now it also plays for the purposes of our podcast. It plays a role in social interactions between humans and it encourages this like lifetime bonding, right. This mm. monogamous long-term yeah. relationship. Yeah bonding, okay? Now, side note, and I think this should be included in all sex education talks, vasopressin is released in massive quantities directly after being physically or sexually intimate with someone, okay? So...
0: Oh, wow.
2: Our bodies are naturally bonding yeah, to somebody yeah, else yeah. biologically. So it's somewhat biologically impossible to be physically intimate with another person and not get attached to some degree. Um,
0: I I believe that is true in every aspect.
2: Yeah. So in our current culture, we we do many things to dissociate from that mm-hmm. sense of bonding mm-hmm. after intimacy because, again – there, You know, people have their own views on what that looks like, but yeah, you, sure. you have to intentionally dissociate from that. But let's that face because- it,
0: the way we were created was that it was intended to bond.
2: Right. Right? Right. And so we have to detach and de- and dissociate yeah. um, because our bodies will naturally right. want to bond. We are right. releasing vasopressin.
0: Which is a little fearful when you think about... Um, a young man or or woman mm-hmm. at 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And you think how in the world do they cope with that? Yeah. Cuz I mean that's a lot of chemical release going on.
2: Right. And there's not a lot of prefrontal cortex um yeah, I mean <laughs> reasoning happening. I mean, the, that's not developed till you're yeah, like Yeah, I know 25. this isn't
0: uh <laughs> I know this isn't you know Accurate in your world, but when that when that prefrontal cortex hasn't fully developed, mm-hmm. I mean they're living right here in this land of stupid, you know. <laughs> <Land> of, <laughs> and, uh, Ignorance. Yeah,
2: it's the risk versus reward is not. No, it's not there. It's amazing no. we send kids off to
0: college. Yeah, but them. when I think about this vasopressin being released in massive quantities, yeah. but that that's absolutely true. I think that's there is an emotional piece mm-hmm. that it, I mean. It, like like all things, it's expressed in so many different ways, right right. Yeah. and mm-hmm. but it it can be expressed in a healthy way. And it can be expressed in a dangerous way.
2: All of these chemicals have adaptive purposes. Even the fact that sometimes our body releases less serotonin, sometimes that sense of being a bit obsessive about something is what propels you toward getting to know somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when my husband and I first met, and um, he was like hyper fixated Mm. on me and the relationship. And I was a little bit. I had a little bit less um, – I was a little bit more scared to commit. Um, I'm, I'm so a, shocked by that. I'm a little that. bit of a free spirit. <laughs> and so I was like – So shocking. funny because when we came back from our engagement party, my friend said that they were waiting at the house, <laughs> and they were like,
0: oh, my gosh, I hope she said yes. I hope she said yes.
2: He jokes that he proposed from a, from a helicopter so I couldn't run away. Okay, right? But some of this I would is, give
0: anything if I had video of that. <laughs>
2: do i can send it
0: to you Uh, we need that
2: um but some of this you know is adaptive right because his his ability and his steadiness and his (laughs) obsessiveness helped create a basis for me to you know feel safe and enter into the relationship
0: right so here's a question then in when all of these chemical i guess rewards Mm -hmm. are happening are they shaping us into who we're to be or does it I'm having a hard time seeing how all that's happening and mm-hmm. what it's doing to shape who I am in the moment, plus my future.
2: Yeah, so there's the that's the biological motivator, right? Yeah. But there's also a psychological, um, even sociological, in terms of mm. how we relate to you know yeah. our culture and our society. So there's a lot of different um, aspects of relationship, uh, in addition to chemical rewards. Being in relationships with others actually shape us into a different version of ourselves. Oh, wow. Okay? Now, the question is, do we become a better or a worse <laughs> version, right? I mean, we've all been in those situations where we're like, wow, this person just brings out the worst in yeah, me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so interpersonally, if we want to answer that question, it really depends on two things uh the first thing is the person that you're in the relationship with yep. so just them who they are right what they bring to the table but the second thing is the relational dynamic between the two of you
1: yeah. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so
2: essentially who you're with and how you interact with each other mm. determines whether or not you'll become the best version of yourself or as some people have described to me i feel like a shadow of my true wow. self yeah Now, this is an important distinction, Chuck, because oftentimes two really great people on paper (laughs) get into a relationship with each other, but the dynamic between them quickly Mm -hmm. becomes toxic.
0: Wow. And at that
2: point, and I think, you know, listeners, you might connect to this at some point. um, Sometimes you get to a place where the relationship is no longer a safe place. Mm. And now instead of you growing with each other, each individual now just spends so much time protecting themselves emotionally mm. or otherwise that they have no energy left. They have no mental, emotional, or physical capacity mm. left. Growing takes energy,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. But when you're it in does, these yeah. kind
2: of life-sucking relationships, it's now all about surviving
0: at that point, not thriving. Which um, I think when, when that relationship is in survival mode, mm-hmm. I've said to people in my office and, and my counseling hat, you know, you have a resp- you have a God given responsibility mm-hmm. to guard your soul.
2: Mm-hmm. It's triage
0: at yeah, that point. that's right. Stop
2: the bleeding. And you
0: know? it, if if nothing changes in that relationship, meaning you have to you have to create that. Mm-hmm. And at times, distance is absolutely necessary. Right. And at times, closure. Mm-hmm. But but I I do believe that. The, the purpose for which God gave us all of these chemicals to happen within us, mm-hmm. I believe all of those were designed to be healthy. Mm-hmm. There are times, though, we need another person to help us get that in a healthy perspective. Yeah. The hardest thing that I see people try to do is get where they can manage and measure healthy relationships on their own.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well and sometimes it's another person outside of the relationship. Yeah. And sometimes you get to a point where I have I have certain clients where they've done so much work on themselves and I will say to them, You will the, you will get to the next level. Once you're in a relationship again, because that is going to bring out all of the, you know, these things and you now have the coping skills to deal with it when they, when it does come out, right. When you do get faced with this now, because you've taken the time to work on healing your traumas, you've taken the time to develop these coping skills. Now you have what it takes to be able to work through this. And Mm. this is a biological thing too, Chuck. Remember those mirror neurons in the brain we discussed, we talked about this last season. It's a fascinating topic. But when you think about it, mirror neurons are actually the basis for almost all learning and growth, mm-hmm. um, because it's us seeing something or being taught something and then mirroring it. Right. 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 Um, so when we mirror others, or we adapt to what they mirror back to us. Mm-hmm that is this kind of reciprocal neurological process that shapes us as a person, right, right? right? This is like, you know, we look at somebody and and they are able to give us feedback that mirrors back to us mm-hmm. some areas where we need to grow. Yeah. Now opening ourselves up to the influence of other people actually has the capacity to help us develop a different, more adaptive neurological footprint. It changes it. who we are. Yeah. And it's so powerful. I like to describe it this way. I liken human interactions to sandpaper. Have you ever worked with sandpaper? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you take it and you rub those two pieces together. And at first, it's kind of rough. (laughs) It gets uncomfortable. Um, And you're like, oh, you know, if you have any of those issues with like um, nails on a chalkboard, you know, it's like the sanding can like hurt your teeth almost. Right. right? Yeah. It feels really rough. But over time with continued intentional interaction in a safe environment, you smooth each other out just like that sandpaper, right? Um, So I view relationships on a biological and a psychological level as natural sanding tools for us. So
0: in other words, just like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times when the sparks are healthy yeah, and there are times you feel like you're up against a grinder, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And yet in the middle of all that, we really do and we really are created in such a way to better each other right yeah, yeah. so purpose. um when i when i think about that i think to myself okay we body and soul are designed to sharpen each other kind of goes hand in hand with what scripture has to say about how we were created to be better together that you are a uniquely different human than i am and yet mm-hmm. i think anybody would agree well you know chuck you are you couldn't pull this off without Julie.
2: Yeah, and right? I couldn't pull this off without you. But
0: how how cool is that to be able to see this is how we're wired and it's tangibly how it functions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I think of, you know, the spiritual aspect of it, right? Yeah. We're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. Right. So we talked about the body, the biological part. We yeah. talked about kind of the soul, which is like, you know, relationally and emotionally what this does. Um, spiritually, you know, I think of even God yeah. was three in relationship with himself. Right? Absolutely. You know? I mean, you
0: look at the creation story, and the creation story says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Mm-hmm. I mean, before God ever deals with Adam and Eve and sin, mm-hmm. God deals with their aloneness.
2: Yeah.
0: So when I think about that, one God, three parts, communal by nature, how much more so are we to be that way?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can kind of block that. Right? Absolutely. Get in 100%. The way of that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we've built the basis today of this understanding that relationships are important. Um, we're biologically wired to feel good mm-hmm. and safe mm-hmm. while within them, they help us grow um, and they sanctify us, right? Our spirits, you know, we are sanctified Absolutely. through our relationships with God and our relationships with other people. But I would say, Chuck, that. I don't know that most people always feel this way in their relationships. Like, okay, I feel good. I feel safe. I feel, you know, like this is, this is mutually beneficial. Um, Sometimes can relationships can feel like they are more trouble than they are worth.
0: I I think that um, I I may be wrong. I don't have any data to support this. It's just pure assumption on my part, Mm -hmm. but 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 I don't see a lot of healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. I, I... And maybe it's because we just hear the tension more than we see the healthy.
2: Well, yeah, and you and I both have a bias in the sense that we see a certain percentage of the population a large percent of our time, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say, you know, because people come to us for help, right? Right. But I will say that this is not something that, you know, There's, there's not a, it's not taught in school. Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not, you know, it's not something that we are taught. And so it does require going against the grain a little bit because what we see most of the time is people who are in dysfunctional relationships, but each of their dysfunction just works like to the point where they kind of balance each other out in their dysfunction, right? Um, So I think, you know, if we unpack the why and the how Mm -hmm. relationships become damaging or disruptive, we can come to a greater understanding about ourselves and about how to move forward. We can see relationships for the gifts that they are, Right, And live in authentic connection with a greater degree of peace, so
0: I like that, yeah,
2: yeah. we we got to kind of get back to like, okay, where now we know that relationships are important, but where did we go wrong?
0: Yeah, right yeah, yeah,
2: um, and that's what we're going to talk about
0: next week, we're... you know, I, I the next couple of weeks, I think, are so interesting because when you think about relationships that are damaging, mm-hmm. or you think about relationships that are disruptive, mm-hmm. we all have them or have had them, yeah. And honestly, we will all have them.
2: At some point, absolutely. Whether it is a friend, a family member, somebody in the grocery store, yeah, a yeah. coach, like there's no way that you can get around running into right. potentially emotionally unhealthy situations. I was in a conversation
0: with Jenny earlier this week and we were kind of reviewing an evening we had had and um, she said, you seemed awfully quiet tonight. Mm. Which is odd for me. I mean, you know. Um, um, and she said, "Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm great." I said, "You know, I just, I just didn't have fun." Mm-hmm. And she said, "The most interesting thing." She said, "Do you think in that relationship you're always supposed to have fun?" Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, there you go again, you know, and she, because so she's super insightful human, yeah. you know, yeah, and, um, uh, but it hit me. I thought there is a management responsibility mm-hmm. within my soul of how I treat relationships, not just externally, but internally. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting to dive into some of that in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, I'm, I'm really excited about this work at Positive Talk Podcast. Mm -hmm, What you've unloaded for us today, I think, gives us, one, great hope. Mm-hmm. that we can experience meaningful, purposeful relationships in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. I think we also can see we all need help in trying to figure out how do we do that consistently Yeah, and recognize not every relationship is going to be ideal.
2: Right. And that is that is the point I think we're going to talk about next week, how if we didn't necessarily have healthy attachment, we tend to either Idealize people yeah. or vilify them. Absolutely. And so we tend to kind of do one of the you know two mm-hmm. extremes. And healthy relationships is really you meet you meet in the middle. You recognize that you know this person has good qualities. They yeah. have not so great qualities. Sometimes I have a great time and we're laughing. Other mm-hmm. times you know it's it's a it's just an enduring of of the moment because that's what you do in long term yeah. relationships, right? Um, as long as it's again healthy, mutually respectful. Um, yeah. At
0: getting like all things how do i avoid those extremes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how, how do i find freedom in the middle of that yeah which also requires of me that i i can hold it loosely if i need to mm-hmm. right
2: yeah and we're going to talk about that too what how do we develop yeah. our relationship framework.
0: Absolutely. Um, I love because that. Because
2: that really matters in terms yeah. of how this is played out. So.
0: so make sure that you join us again next week as Julie and I start to unpack a little bit more about this damaging and disruptive relationships, how we, how we work our way through it, how mm-hmm. we grow through it, how we become better as a result of it, and mm-hmm. all those other tangible things that come along with that. So remember, though, you can always find all of whatever season we're on, which I think Julie's right. I just wanted to claim seven, but you can hear seasons one through let's just say four and now season five of the positive talk podcast on our website, which is positive talk podcast.com. You can always follow us on Instagram or Facebook at positive talk podcast podcast. And as always, thanks for listening in. Julie, you were awesome today as always, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye y'all. Thanks again for joining Julie and Chuck on this week's Positive Talk podcast. Please share this episode with friends, family, and social media. You can find our previous seasons and episodes on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com and join us on social media for more content at Positive Talk podcast. Thanks again and go in peace.